Hello one and all, welcome to the Baggies broadcast, it's season 4, it's episode 20. My name is Luke Hapford and I'm joined by now a man who cannot moan about taking shots at me, not doing my work. I was the man who offered to do a podcast last week and I was I was offering on not only my annual leave, but on my own birthday and I was turned down, Mr Joe Massey. That is correct, actually. I've got to give I've got to give you some credit. Um, although I suppose when you have as much annual leave as you do, inevitably one year it will fall on your birthday anyway. So I suppose it's just the way it goes. But <clears throat> I have to say, last week it was a bit. Um, this is a difficult one for me because I don't want because obviously you did make the offer. I forgot it was your birthday last week, didn't I? We should say yeah, that yeah, first yeah, and yeah, foremost. Yeah. I didn't even text you um, when you arrived at Burnley and showed me your very very nice gilet that warms up. Yeah, a heated gilet. Oh, it's the one. I didn't even know they existed. Me neither. But I, I was, um, I went, went down a slightly different route with my birthday presents this year. Um, because people always ask me what I want. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a painter shop for. I think. I, yeah, I went I down imagine. the wedding registration route and just sent a list of things. <laughs> <laughs> so take your pick, and that was on the list. Your poor girlfriend. You still won't propose a question, but you're willing to write a wedding list. Yeah, but not for, it's not for a wedding, it's for a birthday. Crack on with that wedding, pal. Crack on. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I was waiting by the door. I thought, oh, I haven't got, I haven't got a text off, off Massey. Maybe maybe sent me a card. Wait by the door all day, got nothing. No, I did feel bad. When you got when you did arrive at Burnley and said it was your birthday, I thought, oh, no, that is awful. At uh, first I thought I was a blooming steward knocking on your car window. Did you Did you walk away from my car and then come back? No. No, because someone was uh, some. I thought someone was eyeballing me as they walked away from the car, and I was like, "Who's that?" And then, <laughs> then some bloke tapped me. I didn't recognise you, mate, with your coat and your hat and everything on. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry about your birthday, but you did offer. I have to say, you did offer. I texted you, didn't I? You saying, I can't remember. Saying, I don't think we're going to do a pod, a, a poly this week, and you were like, "I will do one tomorrow," but you didn't say it was your birthday then. No, 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 no. You don't because. You, it's weird. You don't want to tell people when your birthday is. I don't know about you. I don't like telling people when my birthday is because then I immediately think that they think that I want something off them for my birthday. Yeah, you know I get I mean? yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But then you text back and you're like, ah, oh, I might do one tomorrow. But then you're like, oh, no, actually, I'll leave it. And I thought it was a bit odd the way you put it in the message. But then obviously it was your birthday. So you do deserve a hell of a lot of credit for offering to do a podcast on your birthday. I've got to give you that. Do you know what does deserve credit? The fact that you said to me, I was like, why don't you do one with with uh, a regular stand-in presenter, Nathan Judah? And and Joe Massey's response, ladies and gentlemen, he's too dingle to do this podcast. <laughs> I love Nathan Judah. I absolutely love it. And we probably we should have done one really, but it was it was it was a combination of being busy and thinking, oh, am I going to squeeze this podcast in? And also Judah is a massive dingle now, isn't he? Yeah, um, he's, he's basically just... he is a Wolves fan. It feels weird. It feels it feels more like um, when I don't know. I mean, I'm probably being absolutely ridiculous, but it feels it felt a bit more when Albion were in the Championship and when Wolves in the Premier League. It didn't feel as bad, really, having Judah on. But now, now, um, now that if Albion survive, then this year, then they could, then they'll probably finish above Wolves next year, won't they? So it just feels a little bit like awkward um, having them on. But yeah, we should have done one really, but. Never it's what it is, mate. It's what it is. It's what it is. It's what it is. We made up with it by, by returning as a duo over the weekend. It was lovely uh, to see you. It was it was great to see you too. Um, 
a trip to Turf Moor. Um, Burnley nil, West Brom nil. We did cover this in the video, but we're going to go over it in the podcast as well, just for those who who might not have you know watched the video. I mean, I don't know what you were doing on a, a what a Saturday night in lockdown, but okay. Um, it was encouraging from Albion, but as I said previously, encouraging performance don't do a whole now a whole lot now if you if you're not getting the points that you need. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it was more than encouraging. Really, it was um, they bad. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, with with ten men, Albion completely outclassed Burnley. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a stretch too far. Um, Shemi Ajayi, of course, sent off on the half hour. It meant that for an hour, really, Albion played with ten men, and Burnley didn't. I think they registered one shot on target. Which uh, during the game, I was talking about it with you. I, I was saying like, what was the shot? I can't remember it. I can't remember Sam Johnson actually making a save. Mm. Um, I think it was in the first half, but I genuinely can't remember what it was. Um, and that pattern continued into the second half, even though Albion had to play that whole in te- in second half with 10 men. And then, obviously, they defended brilliantly, but the chances created were just incredible. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're staggering, really. Um, they're absolutely staggering. Literally everyone who I have spoken to um, about the game... Um, since people who like hadn't seen it, I've actually told them to just watch Match of the Day because they need to see these chances that we missed. Um, yeah. Because they are staggering. They're not... I mean, they really, really should have been goals. It's, I mean, it, it was incredible they didn't go in. I mean, the Diagonal one, I mean, fair play to him. He's, look, he, is, he has been a hell of a signing for me. Um, mm. he, is, he is so dangerous. He's such a threat. Um... And it's interesting because when before we arrived, we sort of looked into a profile of him, and obviously the Galatasaray fans were really disappointed to see him go. But he was sort of labelled as almost um, a lot of people said his all-round game wasn't that good. That yeah, he sort of basically relied on people creating chances for him, and if 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 they did, he would put them in the net. But it's sort of almost been the opposite of that since he's come in. I mean, his all-round game has been has been very very good. He's creating chances for himself and others. Assist um, on his debut. Assist on his debut, yeah, and he should, he should. I mean, my God, he should have a lot more goals, a lot more goals. And the chance he missed at Turf Moor, I mean, look, he does apps. I really like James Tarkowski. He's, mm. he's a good defender, but I mean, he has put him on his backside as if he wasn't there. Um, it's a great bit of skill from Diagle. And then you're six yards out. You've got the whole goal to aim at, and somehow he's at the bar and it's gone mm. over. And you just think, wow. I mean. If you put him, it's a cliche, but if you put him in that position nine times out of ten, I don't think he'd be able to hit the bar from there. No. Um, I mean, it genuinely was easier to score. Um, and then the, then they just kept coming, didn't they? The one where Diagnos squared, squared it across for Pereira. I mean, it's a tap-in. I mean, I've watched it again and again and again. I think Pereira just gets his feet in a muddle. Yeah. Um, Which is odd for him, because if, if, if anyone in that position, you'd want it to be him, wouldn't you? You would, you, you. I mean, he's been absolutely. You would, you would want it to be him, um, or or perhaps Diaga out the two of them, um, and then and then obviously that move was kept alive when the ball hit his heel when he should have just tapped it in and Maitland Niles found him four yards out. He is Pereira mm. shoots Nick Pope for me. What a goalkeeper! I mean, I just I just think he's absolutely fantastic. But he gets something on it, and then that allows Tarkowski to clear it off the line and. You do the old screen grab of where the ball actually was, and it was like a centimetre over or whatever, but obviously it's got to be the whole ball. And yeah. 
you can't come much closer to scoring. But Pereira should have scored. Pereira should have. He should have scored twice within five seconds, really. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dagna should have scored. Maitland Niles had a really good chance. Um, I mean, Albion battered them. They absolutely battered them. To come up, to, and it's just. We said it on the video, um, and we'll say it again now, stealing something someone tweeted me. Apologies, I can't remember who it was. But they said, if that performance was after 10 games, mm. you'd go forward with an awful lot of hope. You'd be disappointed with the result because you obviously should have had all three points. Um, but you'd still go forward with hope because it was such a impressive display. Mm. Um, but when there's 13 games left and you're 11 points from safety... The bottom line is, it was just a massive missed opportunity. Um, that's the only way in the end you can sum it up because it, we're running out of time rapidly. Mm. For you, was that was that the most impressive Albion performance you've seen in the Premier League in terms of not necessarily because they've done well in some big games where you know they they held the likes of of Liverpool and Man City, but for me, I think it's. One it's probably the game where I've looked at and I've gone. Albion should have won that two or three. There's not many games they've had that season where Albion should have won, cl- like clearly should have won mm. by a, a large margin. When you first asked me that question, it's a good question by the way. Um, I thought it was on a par with Man United, but you've actually just convinced me by what you said following that. You're absolutely right. They should have yeah. won it by two or three. You're absolutely right. And there's, there hasn't been another Premier League game this season that you can say that. Um, and Burnley, look, we all know where Burnley are going to finish roughly in the league. Then, let's be honest, they're never going to hit the heights of 14th, are they? They're, they are going to be in that bottom six or seven teams or whatever. So, yeah. But they are an effective side. They are a good side in, in, the, term, in, in the sense that I really don't think they will go down. Um, and they're on their own patch. And I, yeah, Albion outclassed them. You're, I, you've, you've, yeah, I completely agree with what you said there. That it, it was, it, it was the best performance of the season. You're right. No, of course there was the downside to it. I mean, you do wonder. I mean, the performance they put in with ten men, what would have been with eleven? I mean, the the Ajay red card we disagreed on. I, I, I still think it's a nailed on red card to be honest. But I, I don't know if you've changed your thinking. No, mate. No, no, no. I just think I think it's. It's like an age. I think it might be an age thing. Like I think I feel like a lot of like you're like a young hipster, aren't you? I know you're 31 now. Hipster. Uh, <laughs> it's a claim. <laughs> but like I think a lot of people like. I mean, I'm only I'm only four years older than you. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I agree with a lot of sort of older fans that it wasn't a rad. And I feel like a lot of the the younger generation, the young whippersnappers like you, um, think it was a rad. Um, it's interesting because my wife actually said this the other day. She, she, she was looking at like the tweets, the responses to the what people were saying to the red card, and she was like, "How can it be so different? Mm. How can it be so people are so adamant it's a red card, and other people are so adamant it's not a red card?" Uh, it is very, very interesting. The, the truth is, it was a red card by the by, by the letter of the law. He had yeah. to go. There's no. That's the book you're playing to. Um, it's the same for everyone at the start of the match. He has to go. My issue is it shouldn't it shouldn't be a red card. That the rules should be changed, basically. Um, just because I think it's so 
if he's handballed it deliberately, he's handballed it deliberately and he has to go. But there's, in my mind, there's no way in a million years he did. Um, I think Conor Gallagher's pass is absolutely catastrophic. Um, Ajay's in a world of bother because of that ball. And he has to get something on the ball. This is, you've got to remember how quick this is happening as well. I mean, yeah. from Conor Gallagher keeping the ball in to Ajay being in trouble, it's about three seconds. So... He's in, he's in trouble. He's got to get something on it. He comes across. He gets something on the ball. It's his hand. And for me, there's no malice. There's no intent. There's no... It just shouldn't... It just, it just should have been what it was. It, it's just unfortunate for Burnley that it's hit his hand, in my opinion. Um, to me, a red card is, is too harsh. Um, and people say, oh, if it was the other way around... You'd want it to be a red card for Burnley. I, I genuinely, genuinely wouldn't. I, I honestly wouldn't. I just want people... It's a contact sport for me. It's a physical game. Things are going to happen. Incidents are going to be... Not missed, but you can't expect it to, everything to be perfect. You, can, you, can, you can't expect the guy to absolutely 100% be sure he's going to clear that ball with his thigh or his shin or something. You just Every now and again, things are going to happen. And what my big bugbear is, it's a game... When you're dragging it back, dragging it back, dragging it back, dragging it back. Here we go again. Um, <clears throat> off you go to the monitor, referee. Have a look, have a look again, have a look again, have a look again. Oh, now we're looking sleeper so motion. So it does look like a guy is handling it deliberately, even though that's about one fifth of the speed at which it actually happened. Um, and then there is the bottom line, and then there is the other element to it that he's 40 yards out. He's 40 yards out, and Maitland-Niles is charging back, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, Jay Rodriguez is charging forward too. Foot yeah, race, I don't know who's winning that. It's a clear goal scoring opportunity. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong, like, Burnley would... If they, if, a, if, a, if a player went through, was it, who, was, who was it? It was Vidra. Vidra. If Vidra had gone through, you would expect him to score. Yeah. But, but, but there's no guarantee he would score. Like, I don't think there's a guarantee he gets... <clears throat> even if... If, if Ajay lets the ball through, I think it's still a little bit debatable whether Ajay catches up with him. Because Ajay's quick. I think we're really... The issue for me with it is we're really... It's hard to analyse it when the game carried on as it did. If Albion had lost that game 3-0, which, which has happened this season when they've gone down to 10 men, it wouldn't be fair. Like you, that, that what Ajay did wouldn't have, wouldn't, it just wouldn't deserve that. Is, Ajay doing that is not worth Albion losing the game three 0 and that is very, very, very possible. It didn't happen, but it's very, very, very possible. And it's just not that doesn't warrant the the, the crime doesn't warrant the punishment for me. Not when it was so quick. Not when there's no malice involved. Not when it just was a coming together. And in football, there's going to be comings together. Get on oh. with it. I don't know. For me, I, I still think it's a red card. But I, I can see where you're coming from. I can see exactly where you're coming from. But for me, you just you, it can't hit your hand there when when you because he he is through on goal. Whether or not Ajay catches up with him, I think it is a clear goal scoring opportunity, and you've did not denied that, which by using your hand, which you're not allowed to. Um, on a more positive note. Uh, okay, in midfield, what a bloody signing he is looking like. I mean, he channeled his inner Claudio Jakob late first half, and that just, I think that said everything about his performance. 
absolute monster in midfield. He looks absolutely fantastic. And <clears throat> I said, I said we actually said in, again in the press box on on Saturday, um, talking to Joe Chapman as well, and he's been so good that you almost are asking the question, what was the catch? Yeah, what's wrong with him? I mean, why is he? Why have Salta Vigo allowed him to come and join us on loan? Why was he um, not playing for Salta Vigo? Why is he not playing for Salta Vigo? Um, because he has been absolutely fantastic. That's th- those three sliding challenges in about five seconds was just absolutely incredible. Um, All right, fans were in the ground, imagine. Ah, uh, that, that's, that, remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about those moments? Yeah. You, you brought up some Villa tackle that I watched back and it was an absolute horror show. He should have been given a red card. Oh, never. Kieran Clark. <laughs> Kieran Clark on Jeffrey Schlupp. Absolute dream of a challenge. <laughs> absolute shock. Leg breaker. I mean, he uh, won all the ball, mate. That's a red card. That's more than yeah, showing that's you never a red card. Referee made the right call there. <laughs> Can we turn into a hipster? Um, yeah, <laughs> so I was just... It was amazing, though, to watch him do that. He's, he's, he, the difference he's made to this team is... Well... The truth is, the, the difference the January signings have made to this team is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, all four of them um, have been fantastic, really, haven't they? I mean, there was five, Andy Lonergan, but obviously he's, he's not really a first-team player. He's third-choice goalkeeper, so yeah. I don't really count him. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a player. Maybe, maybe the point going around on Saturday was we were talking about it. Maybe he's just more suited to the Premier League than La Liga. Yeah. The actual, because he's a physical player. He's a big. He's he's tall, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's taller than you you think. Uh, he might be Albion's tallest player. I don't know. Daniel's pretty big. I think yeah, but he's tall, Yokozlu. Um, he's tall, but it's weird. He's still kind of mobile as well. Like you see a lot of tall players, and they're almost like you consider them like a bit immobile. Not him. Gets himself no. about. And his reading of the game is very good. He's making interceptions, which are absolutely crucial. Um, his passing is good, which Sam Allardyce demands from his holding midfielders. Um, <clears throat> there's just no other way to say it other than this, which is that before he arrived and before Ainsley Maitland-Niles arrived as well, because I think we have to give Maitland-Niles credit for Albion's improved defensive displays as well. He's not mm. been... Defensively, he isn't as eye-catching as Yakuzlu, but he does cover a lot of ground. He yeah. is very box-to-box. Um, and the truth is, Albion's back four just didn't have the protection they now get from Yakuzlu and Maitland-Niles before those players arrived. It's amazing, um, to, th- it's amazing to think that the likes of... And, and no disrespect to these players, by the way, the likes of Livermore and Sawyers were playing in a, in a holding midfield role when they're clearly not the, those kind of players. And the yeah, difference is just stark. I think it's really important as well, actually, that a couple of... I don't know if it was... Well, it's, it's in the last couple of weeks when Allardyce has had one of his press conferences that he did say that they have come to him. Remain Sawyers and Jake Livermore have come to him and said, look, we will play wherever you need us to play. Like, we'll do our absolute best for the team wherever you need us. But we are not... We don't feel we are holding midfielders. And so people can criticise Remain and Jake as much as they like, really, but even they are saying it. They are saying that is not their position. Um, so I think that has to be remembered, really. They are, they are not natural holder midfielders. Yukuzlu is a natural holder midfielder. 
Um, it is staggering, really, that we got to the end of January without a natural holding midfielder. We did have Sam Field, it has to be said, but for one reason or another, he didn't get his chance. He was going to get a run of games under Billich, but got injured, and I think he was going to get another run of games, and he got COVID, um, <clears throat> and now he's at QPR. So it is staggering we got to the end of January without a defensive, proper defensive midfielder. Um, and we're all... This is what we all knew it, didn't we? In our heart of hearts, mm. we all knew it. Um, and now we're seeing just what a difference a top draw defensive midfielder makes because he has been amazing. Only two gives, games, but he has been amazing. <clears throat> that, and he gives license to the likes of, of Conor Gallagher, who before you saw a proper holding midfield in there, felt like you could see that he kind of had to track back and it was almost it seemed like against his natural game. Now you're seeing more of his natural game as well. I thought I thought he did really well uh, over the weekend as well. He was, he was without doubt Albion's best player until that pass. Um, yeah, that's the only uh, thing he did wrong, really. Only thing he did wrong in the first half. And then I think in the second half, Maitland-Niles for me was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, he sort of, he was so influential and he was Albion's man in the match for me. And he would have been anyway, even if Gallagher hadn't made that pass. But yeah, the, the, suddenly the midfield looks incredibly well balanced. Mm. Um, Yakuzlu with his passing and his defensive nous, if you like, and his physicality. Maitland-Niles with the way he carries the ball, but also his energy, the way he goes from box to box. The fact that he is defensive minded and forward thinking. And he's got that energy. And Gallagher's exactly the same. I think Gallagher needs to be slightly more forward than Maitland-Niles, if you like, which he is yeah. at the minute. Um, but that energy and tenacity, Gallagher does it all, doesn't he? He is a central, he is a proper central midfielder, so he offers protection as well. Um, albeit that protection's maybe higher up the pitch because he presses so well and he, he does have so much energy. So the three of them together look a wonderful blend. Um, they really do. They've Look, it, it's, that, it's that three, really. I mean, they're just, they just—they have transformed the team because of the new recruits. Sam Allardyce said it: when you make good good signings, obviously when you make good signings, they improve your team anyway. But they lift everyone else around them. They improve mm. their performances, and we're seeing that because Gallagher did go a little bit flat, if we're honest. Um, he was in those ten games, Allardyce's first ten games when we struggled. He he wasn't he wasn't the player he was under Billich. Um, but now players are raising their game because of these new recruits and. Everything is, everything feels so much better. Like the team looks so much better. Um, it's just sad that it feels like it's all too late, and it mm. probably will be too late. Um, but it's still a massive difference, you know. Just sitting down on a Saturday evening, having watched a good performance, and feeling like your team's good, than compared to where we have been. Um, it still improves your spirits massively, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I do the the regular kind of post-match fan videos where um, obviously they send videos in. Everyone who submitted a video this week was definitely, you know, just seemed happier. I mean, and, and the fact that they've put in a performance and they haven't got the result that everyone wanted, it's fair to say. But like you said, it gives you a lift and you, when you're watching a team, I think... It's it's tough to say because you know relegation is always a massive downer. But would you rather watch, you know, some of the football that Albion fans saw under Pulis and and just scrape survival, or would you rather a bit more of an entertaining season and and 
I mean, it's, it's tough to say because, like I said, Premier League survival is a be-all and end-all for a lot of people. But you'd certainly enjoy the ride more if they played a bit more entertaining football, but then on the last day still kind of maybe fell at that last hurdle. But ultimately, I think a lot of people would still probably pick survival, which is a bit of a sad indictment in, into kind of following a football club nowadays. It's 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 all about you know, staying up and I think Crystal Palace are a good kind of almost barometer for that where the fans are unhappy with the style of play but they're assured of Premier League survival so they're kind of stuck in that limbo, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, but it's so hard to go to the next level from there, isn't it, from where Palace are. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and like I think Roy Hodgson said, you've got to be careful, haven't you? Like you could be easily end up being a Charlton and... and well, I mean, Al- Albion are a good example. They moved on from Pulis and then they dropped down. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying dropping down and, and staying down, but sorry, different. Yeah, Albion always do, well, fingers crossed, they always do tend to come back, don't they? I mean, what's it, the lowest position is fourth, isn't it, for a very long time in the championship. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of it, we might as well just get into it now, actually, because it feels like it's sort of a, a segue, is, is it's down to the recruitment. Um, and... You wonder where Albion would be if they'd signed the quality of these players a lot earlier. And mm. um, I think I think that is I think look I, I truly truly think Allardyce. Um, now, what are we game twelve or game thirteen in to his tenure? You can see the Allardyce effect if you like. After ten games, we were all scratching our heads a little bit. We were all saying we got worse rather than better, yeah. um, and that was true. Um, we didn't we didn't look like winning the game at all. Um, incredibly, from the moment that Man United game kicked off, whatever happened in between, I can't remember what the last game was before Man United, um, but but getting the new players in and that extra time has transformed this side. Against Man United, they should have won. Against Burnley, they should have won. But there's no doubt about it. A lot of that, a lot of that is because of Allardyce and his methods. It is. It, the, he deserves immense credit for that. But a lot of it is the new players. And absolutely is a lot of the new players. And I think that we have to now look at the, the summer transfer window. Um, mm. um, and it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to know how to, how to, what word to use really to, to sum up the summer transfer window, because the truth is we all in our heart of hearts think Albion are going to go down. Yeah. Well, if they do, then Carlin Grant, Grady Dean Garner and Callum Robinson will shine next season. Yeah, they will absolutely shine, um, but the bottom line is Albion signed them for the Premier League, and Albion's best two performances, arguably this season, have been their last two games against Man United and Burnley, and not one of them's got a minute. Yeah, they've been on the bench. So your big money signing Carlin Grant, your big money signing Grady Dean Garner, Callum Robinson. <clears throat> A good player, not big money because of obviously the Oliver Burke swap thing. But still, if it wasn't for the Oliver Burke thing, would have been a fairly expensive addition. I think they were the three. They would have been the three most expensive signings, wouldn't they, at the window? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where you're counting Mateus Pereira because it was kind of agreed before, wasn't it? Yeah, it was all agreed before. Uh, <clears throat> Brandon Slavovanovic came in the summer. It's been an absolute disaster. That has been a disaster. Yeah. Um, does, he wasn't even in the, in, hasn't even been in the squad for the last two. Um, Philip Kravinovic, obviously, I like Philip Kravinovic, but he's not even at the club anymore. Um, trying to think who else came in in the summer. David Button was always going to be backup goalkeeper. Um, 
Cedric Kipra, summer edition, now out on loan again. Yeah. Um, like, in hindsight, it really, really wasn't a good summer transfer window. It's got potential because Grady Diangana is a fabulous footballer. Carlin Grant will score goals in the championship. Callum Robinson is another very good footballer who will shine again in the championship. But unfortunately, those three players who Albion sort of pegged their hat on are yet to do it in the Premier League. They haven't performed as they would have wanted to in the Premier League and not how mm. Albion would have wanted them to perform in the Premier League. Um, so, whereas you look at these players, Robert Snodgrass, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Akai Yokozlu, and Bai Dianga, they... I mean, they have hit the ground running. Yeah. I mean, Maitland-Niles and Snodgrass, they've come from the Premier League anyway, so you'd expect them to. But Dianga and Yakuslu, I mean, they've they've taken to it like a duck to water. There hasn't been any bedding in periods. They've just cracked on and completely changed their side. Um, and it's just, you sit here now and you think, the two issues for me are, and there's questions about this, but we'll just answer them now because we're, we're, we're on it. The two issues are the striker and... Um, the defensive midfielder, they're the, they're the two big areas. So Albion were long-term admirers of Carlin Grant at yeah. board level. At the top, they've been long-term admirers of Carlin Grant. But from what I understand, it was Slaven Bilic who felt he was his striker to take the club forward. Grant was really Bilic's man. Um, and... But it, at the moment, that looks like a mistake. I think, in the, like I've said, I think in the championship, if we're in the championship next season, they'll probably score. If we play the right way and we're and everything, it'll, it'll score a lot of goals. Um, but you can't say now we shouldn't. We should have signed Diagna. Obviously, it might not have been Diagna, but we should have signed a striker like Diagna rather than Grant. Yeah, that's the truth. It we should have. Um, Yakuzlu, holding midfielder. We talk about this holding midfielder a lot. So what what I understand is, for Luke Dowling in the summer, a defensive midfielder was an absolute priority. He really thought it should be like in the number one or number two on the list. A key signing. An absolutely key integral signing. From what I understand, Bilic also wanted a defensive midfielder, but he thought it was lower down on the list. Mm. And he also felt he could potentially work around it um, with the players he had. In his... You have to remember, Albion didn't have a lot of money in the summer. So they, they, did, they, they did spend £46 million. At, well, they've committed to spending forty-six or £47 million. They signed nine players. Yeah. And that is an awful lot of money, more than they've ever spent before. £47 million is a lot of money. But, but the initial budget, the initial sum to play with was £20 million. So they did do well to get the £47 million and they have invested in the squad. You've got to say they have. They have invested in the squad. But for Dowling, a defensive midfielder was a priority. For Bilic, it was lower down on the list and he felt with the money he had available, they needed to invest it elsewhere first. And then if they mm. could get a defensive midfielder, they would get one. For Dowling, it was, no, let's get a defensive midfielder first or second in and then look at other areas. Um, so... They didn't, because they didn't get the defensive midfielder in. They didn't get the defensive midfielder in. And now, we're, we're paying, obviously, we paid for it in that first half of the season. Uh, well, not even the first half of the season, the, the first 22 games of the season, um, which is a hell of a chunk. 
um, in the Premier League. So a lot of it goes back to just recruitment. A lot of people are going to want to... Everyone knows I love Slavin Bilic. Everyone knows I love him. But a lot of people are going to sort of hammer Dowling, I think, for some recruitment. But he does try and give the manager what he wants. And they talk it through. And, and I think, uh, unfortunately, I do think that the blame is on is on Bilic really for the, for the holding midfielder and for the striker, um, and that's where we are. That's and that's where we are. And it, it's weird because it, it, we when we were watching those first twenty two games, I think everyone was watching them thinking we need a defensive midfielder and we need a sort of a physical out and out striker. Yeah, but then we all knew it. But then when you see it. You're just like, how on earth did we get to this point without them? Yeah. Like, we all knew it, but it's like the strength of feeling that we needed them has been heightened further because now we get to actually see the impact of them. It's now ridiculous that we went so long without them. It's just, what were we doing? I get that completely, mate. Because, like you said, they just stand out completely. I mean, there's not a striker like Daniel at the club. There's not a midfielder like OK at the club. And it just shows massively now. And as you said, like, is it all a, a little bit too late? Because these players have come in and, and essentially the Baggies are in the last chance saloon now with, the, with this run of fixtures. And I think you look at a side like Fulham... And, and what they're doing, Albion need to kind of replicate that quick time if they're going to have any kind of chance and, and obviously hope that the likes of Newcastle and, and maybe then Fulham again, maybe slow down with their results because Newcastle look like they're struggling, they look like they're getting sucked in. I mean, I think Fulham was in three points of them now. All of a sudden, that, that gap from the bottom three to the teams above them is much smaller. The issue is the gap between Albion and Fulham and Newcastle is is big. Mm. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? We all... Yeah. I mean, I, I've sort of forgot... The whole time I've been thinking about Fulham, I'm, they're not really registered on my scale because I've kind of thought... If, if Albion are going to stay out, Fulham have to go down. Um, but they've done remarkably well, actually. Oh, their form of late is absolutely superb. Um, to be within three points from Newcastle. And... and it's weird because I've always been looking at Newcastle. Well, last couple of weeks, I'm just constantly looking at Newcastle and thinking, if anyone's going to go, um, I think it'll be them. Um, if anyone can be dragged in. Um, I mean, it's a strange thing to say because Brighton are only one point better off than them. Um, they have a game in hand, though. They do have a game in hand. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know why 12 points. I don't know why... 12 points seems too big to overturn to me, but 11, I feel we've got a chance. I don't know why that is. That's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's just such a long... It's just such a big stretch, isn't it? And you, you taught... It was interesting, actually, when I spoke to Allardyce, when, we, when Allardyce had his presser before Burnley, he, he kept bringing up the Fulham and the Sheffield United games. Yeah. Um, you can kind of tell with Sam when he's got a bit of a bee in his bonnet. He keeps... It's not fair to say he repeats himself, but you can tell he's got something on his mind and he just is frustrating him to such a point that he can't not talk about it, if you understand what I mean. Mm. 
so like he kept talking about COVID a lot at the start and how frustrated he was that he couldn't get players on the training ground and as much as he would have liked so he can work on this shape and obviously Sam Allardyce improves defences doesn't he but he kept he was so frustrated that he wasn't able to get the time he wanted with them and now you can he's really really frustrated by those Sheffield United and Fulham games and they're obviously quite a few weeks ago now but but he's still talking about them and I think it's because I think he knows in his heart he knows how the next 13 games are going to go he knows we're on the right track he knows we're going in the right way and he knows that we're going to pick up a lot of positive results and pick up a fair few points I think it's just the gap the gap is so big that it's just almost feels like it's too big to reel in without Mm. those points we should have got against Fulham and Sheffield United without the points we should have got a Burnley. Really. Look, we should have beaten Man United. Should have. But, you, but you've always got to say a draw against Man United is a good result. But it, I'm sure every team could say this, but you look at the Fulham game, you look at the Sheffield United game, you look at the Burnley game, it would be so easy for Albion to have, say, five or six more points on the board. Well, I mean, after the last two games, they should have four more points. If you're saying yeah. they should have beat United and they should have, they, I mean, they definitely should have beat Fulham, but uh, Burnley even. Um, so that would put them on 18. And you think they led a. I think Sheffield United deserved to beat them, but Albion did did lead in that game. Yeah. Fulham, again, Fulham deserved it on their first off performance, but Albion, again, did lead in that game. And the, and the big, big caveat for me is. I genuinely, genuinely believe we would have won both games with Yakuzlu and Maitland-Niles and Dianga. Mm. All right, Dianga did play against Sheffield United, um, but it was his first game. Came, did he come off a bench in that game? Came on at half-time, didn't he? Came on at half-time. Um, and that's another hour where you just think, look, you have to go late in the window sometimes to get deals done. Maitland-Niles obviously had loads of options. That's a way up his... Think, think things through. I don't know what Yukoslu's situation was, but if they got them in a bit earlier, just yeah. a bit earlier, you could easily have, I think you could easily have six more points on the board. Then you're five points behind Newcastle when you've still got to play them and you're just a couple of points behind Fulham. It could have been, it feels like it could have been so different. Yeah. That's a frustrating thing, isn't it? I mean, Looking at the table now, how many are there? Any other teams you think can be reeled in other than Newcastle? Because I think Brighton, for me, are in a, a little bit of a false position. I think they're a good side. I know you think they're they're all kind of style, no substance. I, I think that I think they've finally turned a corner. But judging from Burnley, are they just going to put in enough performances? Palace, I mean Southampton are dropping like a rock, but they've got so many injury issues. You do wonder who else can be dragged in, don't you? Yeah, you, yeah. I, I, I don't see any. I don't see any anyone from Burnley above being dragged in. I don't see Burnley being dragged in. I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't think Burnley are a very good side. I, I sort of maybe look, I, it's slightly unfair because I think we really did catch them on an off day. On, they were missing some big players as well. To be fair. They were missing some big players and Sean Dyche basically rocked up to his press conference and was like, I'm absolutely delighted with a point. We were way off it. 
We were nowhere yeah. near. We were nowhere near us. Um, so there's no doubt they were caught on a bad day. But I mean, I said to you in the game, didn't I? I was like, Sean Dyche has done such an amazing job at Burnley, mm. but there's no way you take him at a club higher now. I don't think so. I think I've. I said to you, I think he's at his level. I think, definitely, I think. yeah. He came close to getting the Everton job, didn't he? A couple of years ago. And that's never happening now. Did he get? He got Burnley to. Did he, didn't he get him to like a seventh play finish? Yeah, place finish the ones. He got him in Europe, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but the but that was, was just that was not... kind of yeah. It's, it's it's. I don't think it carries well, at, like amongst the fan base, particularly when fans are back in grounds. It doesn't. It doesn't carry that well. It's all right when you're at a club who's happy to punch above their weight. Yeah, I think Burnley kind of suits him, doesn't it, in that respect, where the fans are just happy to be in the Premier League. I don't think many people see Burnley as a traditional Premier League, you know, heavy hitter, do they? Yeah, but if he was a... Everton fans wouldn't stand for that, I don't think. No. Um, same, yeah. So I mean, can you go from... Uh, no disrespect to him, but you're going from Ancelotti to Deutsch. I mean, that would just be so weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just interested in how it's changed, isn't it? Like when, because obviously he was a heavy favourite for it, that job. Was it Silver who went? I think Silver got it instead, didn't they? Um, it was after, was it after Martinez went? Might have been, might have been. But mm. I don't think they're a good side, Burnley. Getting back to the point, but I do think they'll have enough to. You, you, they're in a race. We're all in a race now, aren't we? In terms of like. Obviously, when Albin pick up, Albin have to pick up all these points, but other teams are go- they're still going to pick up points. Mm. Um, so it's it's the, the Burnley would just pick up enough points, I think. Brighton, you like them a lot more than I do. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they're expected. I mean, I'm, and I know these people will often frown at these stats. I think they're expected points. Like judging by their performances this season, they should be like eighth or ninth. Really? And that's yeah, it's all down to like expected goals and and that and that kind of stat. But they just create too many chances. If they had a, imagine if they had a decent striker. I mean, no disrespect to who they've got up front at the moment, but I mean they need to tuck away chances. Um, and then Newcastle it amazes me. Oh, Newcastle are grim. But they've won seven games this season. I don't know. For the life of me, I don't know how. Seven games out of twenty-five, it ain't that bad. Like. It's not that bad, but they they lose so many. They don't draw games, Newcastle. No. Um, I mean, they've lost fourteen. Um, I tell you, who don't draw games. Leeds. They've only had two all season. Yeah, Leeds don't draw games today, but their kamikaze approach is going to be enough for them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Newcastle. Callum Wilson injured as well. I've said on this podcast before, I think if you were swapping squads between Albion and Newcastle, if you had to choose between one of the squads, you might go Newcastle. Yeah. Um, because of Alan St. Maximum, because of Colour Wilson, because of like LaSalle's and they've got but, but the, the gap's definitely been bridged now with the four new recruits Albion yeah. have got. Maybe that isn't such a maybe that that would that would actually take a bit of research now. The thing with Newcastle is they are so there is such a cloud over the club. Yeah. And that affects things, doesn't it? They feel Oh yeah, it... like the mood in the camp. Like that I think they're getting to a point where I know they've had two wins out of their last five. 
but they go into games wary, wary, like they're worried about losing again. You wonder if if they were to drop in, if Fulham, even for a week or two, did surpass them. You wonder the impact that would have on them. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Look. We all know, we, in a heart of hearts, none of us expect Albion to survive, do, they? do we? Like, we don't expect it. We really don't. We're, we're open. We're open beyond yeah. hope. There's going to be some sort of miracle. Sam Allardyce has said eight clean sheets in 13 games. If we can keep eight clean sheets, we'll have a chance. So there's your benchmark. That's what we have to do. Can we do it? It's, it is actually, when you say it like that, it's unlikely, but it is possible, isn't it? Like you could keep eight clean sheets. It, like I mean, we haven't kept. I think we only kept three all season. But it could. You never know. You never know. Um, but like you said, you, you, we've got that. You've got that favourable run. You got Brighton. I mean, I think that's a tough game. But then you got Everton. Another tough. I think that's tough. But again, it's not out. Like I mean, you back them to get some 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 sort of result if they put in a really good performance. Uh, Newcastle, which I think is very, very winnable at home, and then Palace away, which I think is very, very winnable. After that, things get a little bit tougher. But I mean, if you get a decent run there, well, it's all about that run, isn't it? We've been saying that for weeks. It's sort of a, Everton have been thrown into the mix because of the TV cameras, because um, obviously it was Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle, Palace, wasn't it? But yeah, Everton have been sort of been shoehorned in um, to make it three home games in a row. Um, we have to take absolute minimum seven points. Yeah. Maybe six. <laughs> no, I mean, so- six points puts you on 20 and, and you just got to hope that the likes of Newcastle and Fulham haven't picked up points. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Six, seven points. Seven points. Um, six maybe, if everything goes for you. Because um, if we, yeah, if, obviously Newcastle would lose one of them because they'd be playing us. So if we were five points behind Newcastle with ten games left, mm. yeah, you're in a shot then, aren't you? Um, yeah. So yeah, but two wins. They have to beat Newcastle and Brighton. After. Yeah. That's it. Um, let's go on to questions then, yeah, shall we? Questions um, because I got a. T- I've got. A, I'm covering Shrewsbury this week as well as Albion. So tomorrow night I'm at the Shrewsbury MK Dons game. Um, wow. Tweeting, um, and I've got a Shrewsbury presser at, soon. So we've got like 25 minutes max. We can do questions. 25 minutes. That's okay. That's doable. Um, first one comes from Tom Hunt. What is Big Sam's stance on survival currently? Yeah. So we've, I think we covered it really. Um, in terms of this, eight clean sheets in 13 games. And look, Sam says all the right things. Of course he does. And he's, all, he's never going to give up the fight. He, he really isn't. It's just my opinion that he's so angry about those Sheffield United and Fulham games. Um, I mean, he said it himself. Sam did say he did an interview with Talk Sport last Monday. And he did say it's very unlikely. It's, unlike- it's highly unlikely we will survive. Um, it is highly unlikely. Um Everyone knows that the figures show that there's there's no point in saying otherwise. Like you can't gloss this up in any way, shape, or form, really. Um, but 
what, what without a doubt is defensively, Albion have got better. Going forward, Albion have got better. They have got a sort of favourable run of games coming up. Um, and they're absolutely going to give it everything they've got. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I think almost we've got to say everything this season pre-Man United was pretty much irrelevant. Mm. We've basically got a new team now. Um, the impact of the four new players has been that substantial. Um, we found four four gems, let's be honest. They're four absolute gems. We found a system, uh, finally, because in the first 10 games of the Allardyce era, we were playing every, every different formation, like every week. It was, it was, cho- just, it was chop and it, change, wasn't it? It was just here, there and everywhere. Um, he didn't know his best team. He didn't know his best formation. We were lost. Um, we said they were lost between the transition of styles between Billich and Allardyce, and they were lost because they were playing... Allardyce just didn't know what system and what his best 11 was. Um, but that's gone now. We have got these four new players. Look, I think we'll probably play 4-3-3 every week. Yeah. Um, because we need that continuity. If not, it won't be a million miles away from it. Um, so everything pre-May night is almost irrelevant. This is the team we've got. This team looks a very competitive Premier League size. Um We've got 13 games with them, essentially. And we're just going to have to see where it takes us. Um, see how it goes. But we all know it's a big, big ask. Sonny is. Um, Ronnie, do you think OK or Diania are an option for next season in the Championship? Um, it's interesting because do they have options in their deals, do, will Albion have the money if if they don't have an, an option? Will the players want to play in the Championship? There's so many questions. Sorry, mate, I didn't quite hear you then. Say that again. Will, will, will um, OK and, and Diania be an option for next season if they drop down into the Championship? Um, I don't think so, to be honest. Um, I think from what I understand, they've both got options, but they're both on Premier League survival. Um, they tear it up in the Championship, to be honest, but... Oh yeah, they both they both tear it up. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, look, I'm sure, I'm sure Albion will try and get deals done for them if they do go down. But I think it'll be a very, very, very big ask. Um, a financially, B. Um, look, I mean, if they carry on like this, they'll have options in the Premier League, won't they? Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be very, very difficult. Um, sort of another thing that impacts it for me is there's no fans in the ground yeah so so can you really fall in love with a club like obviously Albion will make them at home and they'll feel really welcome and obviously all the staff at Albion are great so um like they'll feel at home and they'll be happy and stuff and they'll enjoy their time with the club but will they develop a connection yeah you still run there's not going to be a connection with fans really like there'll be a bit of social media, but they're not going to run out to a packed Hawthorns with the atmosphere. And I think that's massive for me. I just don't think you can truly fall in love with a club mm. without fans in the ground. Um, so that goes against it for me. But I think the bottom line is, if they carry on these performances, they will definitely um, have Premier League options, and that would mean that. Yeah, I can't. I can't see them in the Championship personally. Yeah. 
Uh, Mark Hale, are you and Luke Hatfield friends again after your disagreement over the red card? Uh, yeah, I mean, we never we never fall out, we, me and you. No, never, mate. Uh, wish I do wish I'd text you on your birthday, though. It's fine, mate. It's fine. I understand. It's fine. I, I completely oh. understand. Um, I see a lot of fans stating Pereira will 100% leave in the summer, says Jack Ormrod. But who will actually buy him? He's done decent this season. Uh, but who would pay the value, the money we value him at? Do you think he's 100% off or do you think we can get another season out of him? It's an interesting question because I personally think Albion should be looking around 23 to 25 million for Pereira. But with no fans in grounds, and I, I don't think it's nailed on that we'll see fans in grounds this season. I know they're trying to push for it. And I think talk of a the Euros being hosted here would be, I mean, it just seems bizarre to me that funds could be in grounds by then. Um, but will a club be willing to kind of spend that kind of money? Because we saw in January that there wasn't a lot of spending going on. Yeah, I think, yeah, the price, I don't think Pereira would go for 20, 23 million. I don't, I don't think his price would be that high, to be honest, because of everything that's gone on. Um, and because he's done well, but not exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, so I think 15 um, million do you, know, do you think that's what a club would be willing to pay or what Albion would be willing to accept 15, 16 million pounds I think that would be a fair price all around I think Albion I don't know what they'd be willing to accept but I, I think you'd have to look at that I think that would be a fair price um, for a player who would probably want to be in the top flight next season. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, if he throws his toys out of the pram and, and really wants to push for that move, it makes it a bit tougher because then you feel like you've got to accept it because otherwise you're going to have a player who's not, you know, completely yeah, happy. Yeah, we're not saying for one minute he would do that. I'm just... I'm just I, I just think he would... I think he is a Premier League player, Pereira. I think you've got... A, for, while I'm saying he's only done good, not exceptionally good this season, he has played for a team that is struggling. Yeah. Um, if you put him in a side that was halfway up the table, I think he would he would flourish really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the thing is the thing is with Pereira is he's not he's not consigned to the Premier League, is he? No. Um, it's, there might be clubs in Italy looking at him, there might be clubs in Spain looking at him. Um, maybe Portugal. I don't know, but yeah, I, I would. I would imagine he would. If to, look, if, if Albion go down, I would be amazed if Pereira and Sam Johnson are at the club next season. Yeah, I think. I think those two um, have shown that they deserve to be at a higher level, um, and I think. Albion's Albion's budget in the summer will basically be depend on the money they bring in. They'll have yeah. parachute payments, of course, but there's no there's nothing coming into the football club, so the parachute payments it's going to be swallowed up. Um, so I think, and a lot of other players haven't really sort of. There's going to be no Dean Garner will probably stay now, won't he? There's no resale value there. He hasn't kicked on. Um, no. So I don't see who else really you, you're getting in any money for. So I think Pereira and Johnston would um, would probably be off. How much do you think Johnston's worth? I, 
It's hard to, I really, really don't know. Um, because uh, the pandemic has changed things. Players are definitely worth less. Um, I mean, Jordan Pickford went from Sunderland to Everton for 30 million. I think yeah. that's right, isn't it? Something but like that, yeah. I, I don't think we'll get anywhere near that again for a goalkeeper. Like, like I don't... For a goalkeeper, that's just will have been relegated if that's what happens. I, I think he'd be sort of a similar price to Pereira. We'll put it this way. Ramsdale last season went for 18 and a half. Yeah, well, if you're saying that, I mean... Johnson's way better. Way better, yeah. Way better. And I know his contract is due up, what, 2022? So he'd have a season left, so that maybe affects it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Ramsdale's 18 million, then Johnson's that's, 25. That's what, that's what clubs will do, won't they? They'll, and, you know, it's, it's, it affects, like, big transfers affect football. Yeah, you only need to look at the, I mean, they're talking like t- upper levels here now, but like Maguire going for 85 million. What, anyone with an English centre back who's playing for, who's playing international football will go, well, Maguire went for 85. Yeah. And that's the benchmark now. Maybe Johnson is a £20 million player now. I mean, I think it's not it's not a bad shout. I mean, he's, he's still young for a goalkeeper. He's making save after save. I think he's still got areas for improvement, but like I said, if Ramsdale goes for 18 and a half. You're right, yeah. It's a cracking point. Um, next one Richard Downing would you keep Big Sam next season whatever the outcome of our season if not who would be your choice of head coach a lot of people seem to think Michael Appleton would be the man to go to if, if Albion were to go down and Big Sam weren't to hang around yeah um, I don't know um, so the God's knows truth is I look as I've said before in this podcast my Albion ties only really go over this season and last season so I've not really got any sort of for want of a better word, emotional connections to Michael Appleton. Mm. Um, I think he's done very good jobs in the lower leagues and I think he's done some not so good jobs in the lower leagues. Um, he could be very good. He's done very, very well at Lincoln. Very, very, very well. Um, I think he was, it's been on Bristol City's radar this time round. That looks like they're going for Nigel Pearson, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the end of the season. Like, for me, the... I'd like Steve Cooper at Swansea. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't... Um, That's if they don't go up, mate. If they don't go up, yeah. Um, if if Sam decides to go. Um, I don't know. I honestly, honestly, honestly don't know what Allardyce is going to do. So I, I thought... That we, we know there's a break clause at the end of the season. Mm. You'd imagine that break clause would have... Well, he, he's, he has said if we're in the Premier League, he's staying. So... That that's he wants to be in the Premier League of Albion next season. Will if he goes if we go down, will he stay? I I really don't know. Part of me feel if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd have definitely said no. Yeah. Part of me feels like he's growing into it more. 
he's like I feel like he does he is really enjoying the job um I think it's an interesting one isn't it because I think if they finish the season strongly and still went down I think he might think there's something something here if we can th- keep certain players and you know reinvest some money maybe the, the only thing is is for all the credit we've given Albion in this podcast and, and all the praise we're giving the midfield it's built on sand mate they're all so, on yeah, loan it's all loanies all they're all loanies so Albion go stay up then there are there is a deal there for Dianga there is a deal there for Yakuzlu who knows might get Conor Gallagher for another year is he is he going to go back to Chelsea and play next season don't, don't know get, might as well could get him back Big Sam will have a bit of money to spend. He'll, he'll improve other areas. It's not that big a job, really. But if we go down, then we're losing everyone. Yeah. We've got Snodgrass still. Um, Snodgrass up front. You've got the likes of Robinson, Colin Grant, Zahor. I mean, going forward, you're looking all right. but But you would... But you, Allardyce would still want a striker, wouldn't he? Because it isn't he hasn't he, he wants a Diagnos striker, and we just haven't got one. Yeah. Um, so he'd still need a forward, and then, um, yeah, and then he need that. He need yeah. God, he need. It's a big rebuild if we go down. It's a big, big rebuild, and I, you just wonder. He's sixty six. Does he want? A, does he want a rebuild? It's weird, isn't it? How it's a bigger rebuild if we go down and if we stay up, but. I think a big question would be, if they went down, would Big Sam get another Prem job? Well, he only ever gets jobs, let's be honest. But, and he'll admit this himself in December. When, But would a... If, he's lo- if he loses that, you know, never been relegated tag. And I know it's, you know, awkward circumstances because of money and stuff like this. But would they go for him? If Albion carry on on the trajectory that they're on, and yeah. let's say they they go down by like three or four points, um, I think I think he, while he would it would be he would be gutted to lose that title of never been of being relegated, then I think this time next a club could next year think Do you know what we did see the big summer fact it was a little bit too late but COVID this that and the other. Yeah, lack of money. Lack of, he has a, yeah, yeah, it was obviously a lot harder this time round. So maybe Woods, maybe another club would give him a go. Um, I don't know, there's plenty of time between now and then, isn't there? And it all depends on, on if they go down, how they go down. Yeah, yeah, that's what it depends on, yeah. Uh, Daniel Tudge, with the end of lockdown hopefully being announced soon, where will Luke Hatfield take his next holiday and will Joe Massey ever get one? I need one so badly. You were talking about this the other day. Um, for me, my next holiday, I don't know. It's not something I've really thought about. It's not like you, is it? Well, it's pointless thinking about it now. I don't know when I could book it for, and where's where's going to be safe to go. We'll have a vaccine by then. They're saying, I mean, some reports say that you know holidays could be happening like September time. Others are saying not till next year. <laughs> it's all completely up in the air. It's pointless me booking a holiday. Yeah. Any more football questions? Um, Bilic and Allardyce have very different footballing philosophies. 
and the players have taken a long time to adjust. We suddenly look like a cable Premier League sign now, says John Hughes. Does the board need to take no responsibility for setting the footballing style as I think it is hurting the club? Yeah, I think, so I guess with the footballing style, what we're saying is, obviously it's such a swing, isn't it, from not from Billich to Allardyce and that is a problem. It is, we've talked about it before, it is a, it is a massive problem. Um, it's a problem you shouldn't really have with a technical director as well, really, I think. Mm. Like, that's the whole, that's like kind of, but then I do from what from like from what I gather like they have been always very very keen to get players the manager wants. Um, so yeah, it has to. You can if Albion survive, you can understand why they brought in Allardyce, and then if they were to survive next season as well, then obviously they'd have a platform then to sort of push on. Um, you can you can understand it all if if Allardyce was like a needs must. In that scenario, if they do go down, Allardyce doesn't want to stay, or they don't want him to stay, which is obviously a, a possibility, really from both ends. Then, yeah. I think it is time to press the reset button, really, and and really get your identity established and find a manager that can build it and, and just and if he moves on it's not too much of a problem you can slot someone else into that role because this is this is too extreme it is too extreme from billich to Allardyce is too extreme yeah um, um and we've, that's why they took so long to adapt um the players took so long to adapt it's not it's not the way you, it's not the way you it's not a plan that we've said it all along isn't it to go from billich to Allardyce is not a plan no we haven't got a plan if you're doing that so Forward planning is important. We need a forward plan. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll be drawing that up in the in the in behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clint McCormick, this is an interesting one. I know a lot of our fans won't recognise Brighton as Albion. Do you think other clubs' fans have their own ownership rivalry with the last name, such as Wanderers, County Rovers, Athletic, etc.? I would never call Brighton Albion. I think they do, though, don't they? Yeah, because it's Brighton and Hove Albion, isn't it? No, I know that, but I think I think Brighton fans do call themselves Albion. Yeah, I wonder what happens if you just surely if you just Google Albion, it's it's, it's West Brom, surely. Uh, okay, Albion is. So the first thing that comes up is is a video game, funnily enough. But the yeah. first football related thing is West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. Yeah, 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 100%. Are there any other rivalries like that? I'm just trying to think. Who else is athletic? Bar Charlton. Charlton Athletic. Uh, Wigan Athletic. Oh, yeah, well done. Put you on the spot there, didn't I? Yeah, it took me a second, but I came I didn't know the answer, but you've done well. Whereas like City and you like City and United and stuff, it's very rare that you have two from the same place. Because like it's Manchester City, Manchester United. There is FC United at Manchester, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Whereas like Wanderers, I don't know if Bolton and Wolves have an issue with each other over the last name. They have, a, they have, they do have history, but I think it came from Wickham as well. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for the Wanderers derby. <laughs> oh, you know what I hate? 
That bloody M23 derby or whatever it is. Brighton versus Palace. Come on, that's not a freaking derby. No. I nearly what's swore the, what's, then. What's the derby locally? Do they call it the number nine bus derby or something? Oh, uh, what? The um, the non-league one? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, something like that. Is it Rushall and someone? I don't know. Uh, God knows. I should know. I've done that story Is it before. Hensford and... Yeah, it'd be something like Hensford and Rushall or something, won't it? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. Over a bus route. I mean, yeah. I, I can kind of understand that a little bit more. It's a little bit closer than... Than Croydon and Brighton, I'm yeah, not yeah. buying that as a derby at all. Um, uh, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe there might be something in it. Uh, Steve Orkneyville, uh takeover news news was plastered everywhere over December. Was there any truth in the stories? Is there anything going on, or is it all faded away now? But the the transfer stories had nothing. The, the takeover stories, sorry, had nothing in them. So it. it, it you you got to read like you got to read these things properly. So like when you, when you read those stories that were here, there, and everywhere, they said basically that there had been, I think they said three parties had expressed an interest at some point of of buying Albion. Mm. The, the, none of them had said. They all said lie wants to sell, and they all said that there's been expressions of interest, but none of them. They, if you read them carefully, a lot of them said. Nothing's close. Yeah, nothing there's, concrete in that. There's nothing. Nothing is happening. There's nothing, and that's every. This is why you got. This is why you've got to be so careful with these stories because people get excited by them. They get carried away by them, and they see it, and they don't. You, you, they just get carried away by them. Is the only way to put it. But mm. the, there isn't. There is. There was nobody. In those three parties, we understand that have expressed an interest at some stage in the lie tenure. Like this is going back years. None of them have been willing to go forward and um, take it any further. Now we don't know where it is at this moment in time. There might, for all I know, there could be someone in talks now. We're not. I don't know. I've not. I don't. I generally don't know what the situation is behind the scenes. All we know is that lie wants to sell. And is trying to sell. So where it's at, I've got absolutely no idea. But though I would, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, those stories that are being referred to there was were, were sl- slightly misleading. Um, but yeah, they were slightly misleading, but that they weren't because if you read them carefully, you do realise that there's there is actually no one actually at any proper serious level trying to buy the club. That's the thing, uh, expressing an interest, it could be you saying to someone who's connected to a journalist saying, yeah, I've got a list of Premier League clubs I'm kind of interested in looking at. Yeah, there's like so loads of people in the world want to buy football clubs and loads of football clubs are up for sale. So... For anyone who wants to buy one, they are going to look at things and they're going to make the odd call and this, that and the other. And it's just such a... And that is a story, isn't it? It is a news story. Albion have, had, have been approached about a potential sale of the club. You can The way you can dress it up makes it sound so much more significant than it actually actually is. Mm. Um, but I just wouldn't... I would, yeah, the, there was nothing. There was nothing concrete in those stories, unfortunately. Um, there just wasn't. 
But but the caveat to that is I don't know where it is now. Like I've got no access to Gouch and Lie. Like I don't know how he he is how he is doing when it comes to selling the club. I just don't know. Um, but those stories, from what I understand, were um, well true. Um, generated a lot more excitement than they were actually worth. Yeah, fair point. Um, right, let's finish up. West Brom take on Brighton this weekend. Uh, is this must win for you now? Yeah, so I hate to say a must win because obviously it's not in terms of like Albion could win their last eight games, all of them, and survive. Yeah. So, but but it's must win. Simple as that, it's must win. Yeah. Um, mathematically, it's not must win um, because of what I just said. Um, but you, but come on, like there's there's only so many times you can not win games of football. There's only so many times you can let it roll into another week, um, and there's only X amount of weeks when you're going to play teams who are in fifteenth and below. Mm. Um, so Brighton. Obviously, they've got a game in hand. You like them. Um, I don't. They are down there. They could, in theory, still go down this season. Um, you've got to beat them. Yeah. You've got to beat them. got to beat them. Uh, changes. I mean, O'Shea looks like the natural placement for Ajay. Um, I don't think that red card will be getting rescinded. But he's only a one-match one suspension. Um, other than that, Snoddy back in. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, you'd imagine so. Yeah, you'd imagine he'll come straight back in. I thought Phillips was disappointing, to be honest. I've always felt like I'm harsh on Matt Phillips, but I just look. I, the start I know of... where you're coming from with it because over over the eighteen months recently, I don't think I've seen enough from him to him for him to warrant starting. That's the, that's the issue. That's the, that's exactly what I was going to say. I the first half of last season. Um, when Albion went 20 odd championship games unbeaten or whatever it was before they lost at Leeds Matt Phillips was absolutely fantastic he was absolutely fantastic since then for me he struggled um, don't get me wrong he was okay at Sheffield United um, he has picked up a little bit the last couple of weeks but there's maybe, Snodgrass plays hands down for me mm. um, and I'm I'm sure that's what will happen. Um, so yeah, Dar O'Shea, love him. Um, got absolutely no problem with him coming into the side at all. Especially uh, not centre back. I think he's much better at centre back than he is at right back. Um, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably that's probably true. Uh, although I, I, I truly think he'll never. He'll give everything and he'll never let you down. Really. Um, um, so yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I'm happy for O'Shea to come in. Happy for Snodgrass to come in. I think it's a strongish team. Um, got to win <laughs> got to win that's it got mate that's win. it you get into that part of the season now um, right just about does us uh, fingers crossed uh, Albion can beat Brighton not Albion beating Bright- Albion um, nicely put yeah this, this this weekend and maybe we'll uh, all be hopping on the survival train um, but yeah from me from Joe a fond farewell Goodbye.